Welcome to Unfiltered Studios, your one-stop destination for a diverse range of podcasts that cater to every interest. Join St. Joe on Nailed It as he explores the fascinating times of the 80s and 90s. Find solace in the advice of a mother on Petals of Support. Dive deep into intriguing interviews on The Sleevy G Show. Catch up with the latest in sports on Unfiltered Sports Weekly. Connect with your spiritual side on Finding Your Way. Achieve mental wellness with hypno-wellness. Never forget the history of everyday items with The Stupid History Minute. Understand how we've become the people we are today on How to Be Less of an Asshole and gather with fellow movie enthusiasts on Movie Lovers Unite. Your journey into the world of podcasts begins here at Unfiltered Studios. Subscribe now and join the podcasting revolution. Unfiltered Studios, where every voice finds its place. Visit unfpod.com for more information. And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. Today, I actually have a very special guest with me. I have my friend Tamika here with me. We're going to be reviewing Home Alone scene by scene. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's do this. I'm excited to be able to do this review for Home Alone. So without further ado, let's do it. How you doing, Tamika? Hey, what's going on? I got mesmerized by the popcorn falling out of the hey, sky. Everybody enjoys that little intro music. So, you yeah, know, I'm just happy rain. that you do. <laughs> Uh, make it rain. Making it rain popcorn, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I do. So gather around it. and get your uh, popcorn, large popcorn re- re- refills. And uh, yeah, let's go on ahead. Let's review some Home Alone. So this oh movie came out in the 1900s. <laughs> <laughs> Nineteen hundred and ninety to be exact. The GZ audience, right? But no. Um. Okay. So my question for you is: When was like the very first time you've seen Home Alone? Oh man, I wish I saw it in theaters. I don't think I've seen it. it took years and years after. Oh wow! I didn't know that you didn't see this in theaters or anything. No, I didn't see either one in theaters. I always saw them on um like video. Sorry, video cassette VHS. VHS yeah, the ancient block that goes. In the 1900s. Yeah, the 1900s tape block. It goes into this device called a VCR. Um, Yeah, I only saw it through that. But I've always been in tune with um, Home Alone. Like Me too. It's the sayings. Oh my god, you know, stuff like that. Exactly. You see, I've actually seen it twice in theaters as a kid. Nice. Yeah, I've seen it once with a couple of friends, plus my mom and everything, and then my grandfather came down from Boston for Christmas, I think, or something like that, and we went to see Home Alone. So, it was twice in the theaters, and then the rest was on VHS, and I still love this movie. It's not... Christmas unless you watch Home Alone, Home Alone 2, and The Santa Claus for me. And Die Hard. You forgot and Die Hard. And Die Hard. Die, and die Hard, Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah. And Die Hard 2 is also a Christmas movie. Okay, sure. <laughs> We're not even getting into, into that discussion. Anyways. I didn't um, say anything. <laughs> So we're going to dive right into this. Uh, so, hey there, get your booby traps and holiday hijinks at Salinandos. Welcome to another wild ride with us. And in today's episode, we're strapping on our 
aftershave, dodging paint cans, and diving headfirst into the hilarious chaos that is known as Home Alone. That's right. We're talking about a kid who puts the fun in home dysfunction. So go on ahead, <laughs> get your booby traps, and let's go on ahead and go for this ride. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's such a nerd. <laughs> hey, I, I am what I am, and I'm proud of who I am. I am a nerd and proud. Got it, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> Same one, Meg Callister's house. Callister family prepares to spend Christmas with Peter and Frank's brother, Rob, in Paris, France. They gather at Peter and his wife, Kate's home in Chicago. The night before, their first eight-year-old, Kevin, Peter and Kate's youngest son finds himself the subject of a ridiculous but uh, by his cousins and siblings. So they are uh, subject to ridicule him. But here's the thing. This whole entire scene is just perfect because of the fact that you have all this chaos going around and then you see Joe Pesci as the police officer who's observing all this. And he's like, son, what, is there a parent around? No, they're in Paris. What about what about you? No, th there was no parents here. Great. So a house full of orphans. Okay. So I just thought it was kind of funny that you have Joe Pesci in a kids type movie when we're known for Goodfellas you're known for all this other radar stuff and he can't even cuss in this movie no so, no I, I think I saw something about that on um wasn't it the movies that made us on Netflix yep. they went through yep. something like that and um he all the things he said like freaking yeah, how, how yeah. he got it out of his system to cuss. <laughs> <laughs> but I just like how the house is all in chaos, though. I mean, what about for yeah. you? I do have to ask, why, is, why isn't anyone suspicious about a cop that's just randomly in your house? <laughs> <laughs> well, he did say that he was checking in on the neighborhood and making sure everything was okay, making sure everybody else is safe. Yeah, I know, but why is he in my house? Like, He's making sure everybody's safe, Tamika. I guess, oh. I guess that's okay. I don't know. I'm I just guess you like, don't want a cop knowing that you're okay or not, you know? You know? <laughs> Let's not get into that. <laughs> right. But you know cops. what, though? <laughs> he, he does look like an odd one out, though, especially when Kevin looks at him and he has, like, that gold tooth shining. Kevin kind of knows wonders if there's like something yeah. off about him yeah yeah he looks kind of shady i guess okay so i can play devil's advocate okay so the parents are just like all over the place they trying mm -hmm. to get everybody packed right. i guess he knocked on the door and the kid was like oh okay come in whatever so i guess he was there i guess that's like an authority figure of safety that's why they didn't really question why is this cop in my house right <laughs> on of all days when they they're just she's checking on on their on people you know what i mean just randomly just checking on people i just thought about why is he in that house like as an adult like as a kid <laughs> i was like oh yeah that made sense you know cops in your house make sure you're okay for I me it makes sense but <laughs> The gold tooth doesn't, doesn't make any sense, though. It, that's no. shady. <laughs> no, that is shady, though, to be honest with you, especially when you notice that, hey, this guy has a gold tooth that's cat. So, you yes. know, something has to be off with him. Yes. You know? Is that Pesci's real gold tooth, or was that for the character? Well, I think that was just for the character. Okay. But, uh, so, anyways, we go over to... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a whole show on the gold tooth. The gold right. tooth cop, the pirate cop. Yeah. <laughs> but, I also want to mention this though. I like how Mr. McAllister comes down, and then you also see the pizza delivery guy and everything, wondering where the tip is, wondering where the money uh, money is for the pizza. You also have the, so you have two people in that house. You have the pizza delivery guy, and you also have the police officer in this and, house. 
Yeah, and a serial killer to make it three. Right. You know, they don't <laughs> lock their doors. That's the thing. They got the pizza guy in there. He could be a serial killer. The cop, which we found out, he's a burglar. So you got all these people in your house, and you just like, oh, hey, what's going on? Oh, yeah. We're, hey, just we're leaving for Paris. Yeah, we're leaving for Paris. Let me open my wallet. You can tell that these money. people are definitely rich and have money. Oh, we're yeah. leaving on. We're leaving to go to Paris. Paris. Oh, yeah. Tip. Okay. I mean, open my wallet and expose all my credit cards and cards. money. Also, uh, Tony Soprano sponsored that trip. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> you gonna stop right there. You, <laughs> you and Reddit need to stop with this theory. It's factual. Tony Soprano <laughs> bought the tickets for uh, for Paris, and then they right. all went under Tony's name. Well, explain the theory for the audience that doesn't know what you're talking about. In other words, is as kids, we're always we 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 don't we take things for a grain of salt. We're like we don't care about the house or, or anything like that. All we care about is Kevin, and so the. the the theory is that the father worked for Tony Soprano and he was part of the mob and that's how he was able to afford the house. Because the actor who plays the father was in the Soprano. Right, and exactly. he actually was a crooked cop. Right. <laughs> that worked for Tony Soprano. Isn't it ironic that he's uh, a crooked cop talking to another crooked cop? Just kidding. Ooh, but, yeah. But, uh -oh, but another rabbit hole theory. Right. <laughs> so, you know, they're just telling him, hey, we're going to Paris. <laughs> And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, would I tell a police officer that we're going to Paris? Yeah, at that, it, okay, so we put ourselves in the 1900s and 90s. <laughs> at that time period, yes. Because you trust the, the cop. Right, you he's trust a, the cop. Trust the authority figure. And he's like, hey, we want to make sure your house safe. And like, yeah, I'm going to Paris. You're going to watch and my then, house. Yeah. Right, and then after that, you have the mother coming down there, paying for the pizza, gives the tip. And then next thing you know, it, they leave. And then this is also where we have Kevin. He goes to his older brother Buzz to ask him if he can sleep in his room for the night because he knows that his little cousin Fuller will wet the bed that they will be sh that they will be sharing. Disappointed <laughs> for even asking, Bud replies, "I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass." Yeah, I tells right. <laughs> <go ahead. laughs> oh my gosh, I who who wrote this movie because you <laughs> they did a good job on the dialogue of how kids talk to one mm -hmm. another. <laughs> oh, uh, Derpy Entertainment says my question is how the father was able to afford that house in chicago with that big family <laughs> well the family was visiting who who I well i already kids. said it tony soprano bought the house she bought this plane <laughs> to make he's it. probably it's, like it's an right investment there. I'm banker you. or something i'm assuming he's like an investment banker or something in sale right but you know i think that they don't even we don't even focus on what the husband does or anything <laughs> Mindy's <laughs> cocaine. Yeah. I love it, Derby. Well, I love it. Yeah, investment bankers. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, that's my guess. <laughs> that's a good guess. But, uh, yeah, that is a very good guess. I do appreciate that, Derby. It was messing um, with his nose. <laughs> you were mentioning the dialogue about how the kids bounce off each other. Mm -hmm. I thought that they did a very good job of depicting the kids. And again, this is also part of John Hughes. And John Hughes, John Hughes. <laughs> is good at writing for kids. And he understands kids. And Christopher Columbus is the one who actually put this movie out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have that flow to it. It has that Chicago vibe to it. And things like that too so yeah it definitely does uh make sense about how great the dialogue is is because of john hughes and you know i i really like the whole entire encounter where basically you have 
Buzz over there trying to feed his tarantula. Then you have Kevin who comes in there and goes, hey, Buzz, can I go on ahead and sleep in your room since my cousin pisses on the bed? I don't want to be in that uh, in the bed with him. And then that's <laughs> yeah. when he says that line. Let's see. <laughs> Nobody can uh, right. deny every time you watch the movie, okay. you want pizza. You know what? Every time I see that movie, I was like, I want a cheese pizza for no reason at all. <laughs> You know what, though? I found myself, like, even as a kid, like, I, I was like, I want Pizza Hut right now. Yeah. Back in the 90s, that's what I wanted. I wanted yeah. Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm. That's this is a great at. marketing campaign for Pizza Hut, but instead it was for American Airlines. No, they had Pizza Hut in the film. No, 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 no. What I was oh. going to say was this, okay? On the VHS tape itself, yeah. there, was an, uh, there was an American Airline commercial that was oh. featured on the VHS tape, and wow. this was sponsor- sponsored by American Airlines so people can fly on Christmas. Wow. Oh, man. Oh, now I wish I had a VHS. It's just something that stuck with me. I don't know why. But anyways, but, you know, that whole entire encounter with Buzz, Buzz winds up telling him that. And then, you know, he, then everybody has that one neighbor that people make name makes up stories about, you know, in the yeah. neighborhood. Yes. And so it's, me, it's this old man who's actually the subject. All he's doing is taking out the trash. And it's, it's old man Marley is self Ben Shovel Slayer. Who is rumored to be to have murdered his family and half of the people on the on the block in 1958? <laughs> Rod asks why the police didn't arrest him, and Buzz tells them the police ne- have never found found the bodies, and that the that he salts the neighborhood sidewalks with the remains of the victims, adding mm. that the salt turns the bodies into mummies. Mm. This frightens Kevin, <laughs> but mm. you know, I, like I said, this is a perfect way of having like an urban legend to scare your little brother yeah. and to be afraid of this man who's just not just not minding his own business taking out the trash and people making up rumors about it it's yeah. a small town suburbia basically yes but in today's uh day and age you would believe that story <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but yeah but, but the, so i thought that was actually um uh let's see a derpy he says same goes for the mac and cheese that was perfectly you know what though mm-hmm. i was actually wanting that's another thing even whenever i seen this movie in the 90s i wanted mac and cheese i just wanted pizza and pepsi <laughs> you see you want simple i wanted both is this just too much to ask for both i wanted pizza pepsi and ice cream <laughs> dang okay you went all out you got a stomach ache what you got <laughs> <laughs> but so after that happens during dinner buzz shoves plain cheese pizza into his mouth kevin lo- looks for cheese pizza his favorite and when he does not see any he asked if anyone ordered some buzz responds that it will have all eaten and he would have to throw it up on to give kevin any this annoys kevin and he fully and he sees fuller smirking at him when he drinks a can of pepsi knowing fuller will deliberately is deliberately doing this to pee on him while sleeping kevin is angered further buzz then begins to to feign uh feign throwing uh so anyways and after that buzz then begins to feign throwing up asking for a plate from kevin angry that buzz ate his plain cheese pizza kevin snaps and pushes buzz back which causes buzz to accidentally spill milk on the airline tickets and passports i would do the same thing i'm sick of his shit i, I to be honest with you you have these two you have the cousin who's a piece of crap mm-hmm. you also have the the brother that's also a piece of crap yes so yeah 
Yeah, I would definitely try to shove Buzz because he's like the closest person to me. Mm-hmm. Just to just to basically just stop being a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. First he ate my pizza, right? And then he's gonna it's like, oh, I'm gonna throw it up for you. Okay, well let me help you throw up then. I'm gonna push your insides out, you know. And then you got this pissy boy over here that's drinking Pepsi, and they keep telling him the rubber sheets are packed, and he just keep drinking. I just I've had it. <laughs> Yeah. I had it with his family. <laughs> right? And I don't blame him. I would be tired of them too because they're all taking Buzz's side. No one's taking yeah. Kevin's side on anything. No. He's no. just getting shoved around everywhere. Nobody wants anything to do with him. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you know what? Screw this. I'm done with this whole entire thing. I don't care about my pizza anymore. My pizza night got ruined by Buzz. So why should I even be a, why should I even care? Yeah, and then <sighs> earlier they said he was a disease. Uh, Les incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> All kind of names they call him earlier. His uncle is a asshole, a cheap one at that. He's a freeloader. Yeah. So you got all this stuff packed on his. What is he about? What do you think? Like seven? Yeah, he's about seven, maybe seven eight years year old. old. Seven year old kid, and then my dumbass brother wants to throw up pizza in my face. No, I've had it. No, that's not happened. I'm snapping. Sounds, I'm snapping. And I agree with Derpy though. This sounds like a parent control problem with the dr- with the drinking. They got. And they I, too- I, I definitely agree. Yeah, they're too self-absorbed. They got all these kids and they just thinking about the trip. They're not thinking That's about all they care about. Yeah, kids. They care about the adult kids, the young adult kids, but they don't give two craps about Kevin. And they all and they don't care about this little kid who can't even hold his own piss in to save his life. No, I mean it, I don't have children, so I I'm just speaking from that experience. But like um, I have a I, I have a ten year old, and if I knew that he was gonna I knew if he had a wet bed problem whatever he would not be drinking pepsi before uh, before going to bed or anything uh-uh, uh-uh. no I, you know like I, said, I just think these kids these parents are okay devil's advocate maybe they just got like a lot going on and they're trying to keep it together for the trip so they just miss all these little details but I mean, out, getting, out of, though, too. getting out of devil's advocate no <laughs> Right. right. Here's the thing, though. Devil's advocate would be this. You have a small house. Let's say, for instance, that you have like a two-bedroom house, a three-bedroom house, and you have all these people in this house. Yeah, you have a problem. Yeah, you're stressed out. You're trying to concentrate on the trip while also trying to concentrate on all these people. You have this huge ass house to fill all these people all these family members so you know there's nothing really to be stressed out about other than the fact that your house is packed out with all uh, with everybody you know what do you think i'll read the comment (laughs) but yeah they they just got chaos in the house and and they don't know they don't have a moment to themselves to think okay let me calm down let me get somewhere where i can think okay what's going on okay the kids need to be fed and then the adults aren't helping them the adults are just just laying around <laughs> yeah, the adults in the chaos too. So you got no parental supervision, and then you got all these kids running around because there's no parent to just lay the law down and say, "Look, this is what we're gonna do." You know? Right, exactly. And then Derby says, "To make it good, no one, no offense today, John. I wouldn't want to be one. It seems too easy today. It's actually hard today." Oh, parent. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But okay, so Peter also knocks over a full open bottle of Pepsi onto the pizza, and Frank's pants 
Vance and Fuller's head to get pinned between the chair like a this is this is what I'm happy about. I'm glad the little piss ain't got stuck between the chair and the wall. An infatuated <laughs> Kate breaks up the fight between Buzz and Kevin and demands Kevin to explain his behavior. He replies that it's Buzz's fault for eating the whole plain cheese pizza on purpose. Then begins ranting on how he hates sausage, olives, onions, and similar toppings. Kevin is interrupted by Uncle Frank, who shouts, Look at what you did, you little jerk. This causes Kevin to notice his family glaring at him for the mess. Kate sternly drags Kevin out of the kitchen after Jeff calls him such a disease and pays the pizza boy. How nice. You call him Kevin a piece of shit, basically, and then pays the guy, and then briefly speaks with the questionable officer of the their vacation before taking Kevin upstairs before leaving. So, okay, the officer tells her that he has already spoken to the husband and that his home is in good hands. So, you're having dinner mm-hmm. while the pizza guy is there, yeah. and while the officer is there. Yes, I just thought okay, about it. And you already talked yeah. to, my, to the husband. Yeah. You should actually be leaving out at that time. I, you know, I just thought right. about that. I forgot all about them. <laughs> forgot they were still in the house. I was like, oh. And then when it went to the next scene, I was like, oh, okay, they're just there. Right. And that is an awkward situation, Derpy. I definitely agree. And, you know, you have uh, Kevin, who's going to get grounded now. Um, And it's just going to be a chaotic mess and everything. And you have the delivery guy there. You also have the fake officer there. Uh, watching all this go down and stuff. It's just a bad situation. One Instead can, of just... Right. Yeah, one can say that this explains the comforts of suburb like you're so comfortable that there's strangers in your home and you left the door open but then you're you're in this euphoric state where you're like oh i'm gonna just have a meal with my family and then there's strangers in my home <laughs> still in your house yeah waiting about 20 minutes yeah. that pizza guy trying to try and leave to go to his next order and here you are slowing him down yeah you're not the you only can, person on the block people that have pizza you can write a paper a book uh whatever you can have a whole class on <laughs> This whole family. <laughs> what not to do? I want to I mean, see a psychologist break this family down. <laughs> me too. I would love to see that. A psychologist. You know what though? I would actually. If there's actually a YouTube channel that does that, I would definitely be in on that. I totally want. do it. Everybody, somebody do it. <laughs> but okay, so you have Kevin. Then you have Uncle Frank. Goes look what you did, you little jerk. Yeah. I'm first like, first of all, you don't even live anywhere. I cannot stand Frank, even in the second movie. I I did not like Frank. First off, why am I letting him call my son a jerk? Like, why why, is, why am I letting this adult, I know he's family, but why am I letting him talk down to my son? Exactly. I don't get, I don't get no, it. No, if that was my mom, she wouldn't, first of all, I, number one, I would my ass would be in trouble for doing what I did, but number two, Frank's ass would have been in trouble though, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Frank would have got cussed out along with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wouldn't even be going on the trip. Frank. Yeah, look what you did, you little jerk. Like, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Derpy says, easiest paycheck ever for Joe Pesci. Only hard part was not swearing. Yep, that's right. We covered that a little while ago, too. It's hard. And then this is also another thing that Kate says. Kate angrily informs Kevin that there are 15 people in the house, and he is the only one who has to make trouble. With Kevin replying that he is the only one who's getting dumped on, which is true, Kate tells him that he's the only one who's acting up as she leads Kevin to the third floor bedroom, mm. which in reality is the attic. Play 
playroom of the house. Kevin apologizes and begs his mother not to send him up there. Acknowledgingly, Fuller will wet his bed. While Kate agrees to move Fuller somewhere else to sleep, she rejects his apology and sends him upstairs. Regardless, Kevin angrily tells Kate that everybody in the family hates him. So Kate sarcastically suggests asking Santa Claus for a new one. When Kevin says that he doesn't want a family, a frustrated Kate wishes to not see him again for the rest of the night, but Kevin angrily wishes that to not see her or anybody else again for the rest of his life. Hard and stunned, Kate resorts that he'll feel sad and lonely without a family, but Kevin denies it. Kate firmly warns Kevin that it might happen if he says it again, only for him to yell that he never wants to see them again, wishing that they would all disappear while lying on the bed. Mm, wow, that's a deep scene. When, you, when yeah. you're describing it that way, I'm like, wow, yeah. It's it's cuts you, if you're a parent, that should cut you mm -hmm. in your heart and pierce you in your heart to know that you're allowing the, these people to hurt Kevin the way they are and to know that he doesn't want anything to do with his family because of the way that they're um, doing things, you know? And yeah. it's just sad to see that. And especially when the little, um, we I, I know that we keep on mentioning the little saint that can't hold his pee in. Um, he got issues. They need to they need to look into that. <laughs> yeah. While you're over there fussing with Kevin and everything, you need to look at him because he has to go. He might be going through some anxiety issues himself. Isn't um, <laughs> Frank his dad, right? Who's his um, dad? Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why he pissed in the bed. <laughs> If that right. was my dad. Imagine what he called him. He called That's Kevin. That's true. <laughs> what did he call the little boy? Exactly. But is there anything else that you wanted to add to that, though? As far as or are you good? Um. You. Oh, yeah. When um when they cleaned up the because milk spilled, remember? Mm -hmm. And then Kevin's ticket was on the table, and then they swiped it in the trash can. And there's tons of Reddit theories about how the dad intentionally put it in the trash can his airplane <laughs> tickets. <laughs> wouldn't be able to go with them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, so you wish us that we weren't going to be here? No problem. You don't have to go with us. Okay. Damn kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> uh, but no, I, put your ticket I don't, the trash. I, some of these theories are way far out there and way too far fetched. They're that fun. They're fun to read, but it's like, like you said, it's going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, it is. You know? <laughs> Uh, Derby says he prefers the Lost in New York over the first film. The first one seems to, to, too slow for him. It ha get this, though. I like the slow build of it, though, to get us yeah. to where we are because of the fact that you need to be introduced to the family. Because if you don't be introduced to the family, you don't understand what Kevin is going. Yeah. And then you also don't understand why he he's by himself. Yeah, they could have just went on ahead the next day. They could have showed everybody leaving for Paris, shown the uh, Joe Pesci being there in the house, and then they all leave for Paris. Paris, right? That could have been the scene, and then it goes into him being home alone by himself. Yeah. But I yeah. like the fact that they took their time to get to know these characters because there's so many characters that within the Home Alone, the very first Home Alone movie, to the point where you have to introduce it into this kind of context. You have to introduce that chaos because then it's relatable that there maybe there are parents out there that are like, you know what? I almost left my child to, you know, maybe like right. all that chaos of if you have this big family and then you're all trying to pack for a vacation and maybe that's relatable you know to just right. have all the people in your house not the police that's standing there i hope that's not relatable <laughs> No, but then, like I said, once you get to know these characters, you're ready to go. It doesn't slow down. It doesn't slow down after this. But during the night, high winds pick up. Now, this is actually for the family departure, and Kevin is left alone. But during the night, 
high winds pick up, causing a tree branch to fall over the over and land on an electric electricity wire, resulting in a power failure the next morning when Kate taps the alarm clock, which is flashing 12 o'clock. She picks up her watch to check the time, discovering that there's that they slept in. Families desperately rushes to pack their stuff to catch the vans that will take them to the airport. Mitch Murphy, a neighbor across the street, is mistakenly count counted in a head count, and the family hastily de departs to the airport. Now, how <laughs> are you mistaken that kid for Kevin? Okay, so the other Reddit theory is... <laughs> Well, somebody commented that why would you leave head counting um, to a child? I know she was like a teenager. But, yeah, she was a you know, teenager. Teenagers, no offense, teenagers. But it's like, uh, whatever, one, two, oh, no, eh, three, four. Uh, okay, I counted everybody. You know, we're uh, good to go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, well, some, one of those adults should have been down there counting. Like, they, right. the adults should have had a meeting somewhere before all these children and said, okay, you count the kids. Okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. Of course, Frank wouldn't have done it. He just wants a free trip. So he, <laughs> Frank is for himself. Exactly. He's like, screw these kids, screw everything. I got a free trip out of this. So yeah. I don't care about what happens. I ain't paying for no pizza and I ain't paying for no trip. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And so I, I just don't oh, I, get. I do want to say, um, so back then I'm assuming that airport vans could pick you up from your house and take you to the beyond. Airport. Okay, so get this: my aunt actually got picked up by a van from the airport and brought her all the way to our house. Whoa! All the way to my mom's house. Dang, that's cool. that part is true. Yeah. And then there was another thing too, like in New Orleans airport, there was a thing called the coastliner, for example, but what they would do is you got to got a ride from them and then they would bring you over to the motel six to get picked up by one of your family members that are family members oh wow yeah they don't so have you don't services anymore but that's still cool no, yeah but uh the, I, I don't know what company it is that my aunt used but you pay about four hundred dollars to the person and they'll take you uh exactly to the location of where your family is mm, cool without having to have bother your family members to pick you up at the airport that is pretty cool like i i just thought about that because they were there to pick them up drive them all the way to the airport like a, a airport shuttle service or something so yeah i mean we have uber now but it's still back like in those cool. days though there was no uber either it was like the airline's gonna try and pick you up which is gonna cost you a lot more extra money to do that if they did that especially in chicago you're talking about mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's gonna be a lot more expensive to do that in chicago they got money <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Even though they're flying coach. Yeah. Uh, the kids were in coach, remember? That's right. They were. The okay. kids were in coach. The adults were in first class. Okay. Right. And uh, the uncle should have went into coach. Yeah. He told me, to put these forks in your purse. <laughs> <laughs> Is this real China? Put it in your purse. Right. So Kevin wakes up to find the house empty as the family's flight takes off. Upon realizing he is home alone, he is overjoyed to find that he, his wish came true and begins doing whatever he wants, such as jumping on his parents' bed yes. and getting to Buzz's belongings, including okay. his BB gun. He then eats junk food and watches okay. Angels with uh, Filthy Souls, okay. a film that he was prohibited from watching the night before by Uncle Frank. However, the film's shooting scene ultimately startles him that he pauses the movie and calls his mother. Out calls loud. for his mother. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I, all of those things are relatable. Like being yep. a, what do they, what do they used to call the latchkey kids? Like those kids that 
that stayed home. Not stayed home, but they they were. I was one of those kids where I would get let out of school, and then my mom would put the key underneath the doormat, and then I would just be home by myself until she gets off from work. Right. I don't, I don't know what they call those kids, but anyway, I don't that know. was kind of. Re- <laughs> <laughs> you called to help me out. Uh, but yeah, I, that was I was left. I was basically doing the same thing though. I would actually be by myself. And yeah, I would yeah. act even though I was allowed to watch anything I want, but it was the whole fact that I had the house to myself. So therefore I'm gonna do everything that I wasn't yeah. supposed to do. Yeah, this is just a roundabout way of me saying that yes, it's very relatable what Kevin was doing. Like, Definitely very relatable. <laughs> I eat whatever I want to eat. I watch movies I'm not supposed to watch. Oh, no, I'm scared. Where's my mom? You know. Right. So. And then, then there's also that one part where he goes, in the same scene, he goes, Hey, mom, I'm eating junk food. Somebody stop me. <laughs> 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 Remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was in his brother's stuff looking at Playboy. He's like, ugh, these people don't have clothes on. Filthy. On. <laughs> and oh, then he looks like, at Buzz's girlfriend. Ugh. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> oh, my God. Ugh. And yeah. then he's shooting around uh, his baby gun and shooting uh, the- Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, down oh. the laundry chute. Terrible. Yeah, all in the house. Yes. Very I don't know if I would go to that extreme to get a BB gun and shoot stuff. I, I never had a BB gun, but if I did, Either. I probably would be shooting stuff. Okay. <laughs> I feel you. Well, all right, Tanisha. That's something new about you. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> She's packing heat. <laughs> but yeah. I, I just list a little fun fact. Angels with Filthy Souls. I tried uh, looking for that film back when I was uh, on Google. <laughs> Back, uh, back before the movies that made us told me that it was just specifically made no. for that film. You're not the only one. Because people probably was like, man, it's a good film. <laughs> See, they need a, the whole spinoff on just that. Because I need to know more about Frank and AC and all these characters within the movie. Let's see. So, then Kevin is missing trouble in Paris. During the flight, as sleeping Kate wakes up, worried that the family has forgotten something, she asks Peter if they turned off the coffee machine, locked the doors, and close the garage. Peter admits that he did forget to close the garage because remember, Kevin did go outside mm-hmm. to look and the cars were there. He goes, wait, the cars are still there, so there's no way they could have uh, went to the airport if their cars are there. And then he that's when he comes to the realization. He goes, oh, I wish my parents uh, disappeared. I made my yeah. parents disappear. And then he does like that yeah, kind of look. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but I would think that he would also know that, some, that the people from the airport was going to pick him up. Well, you know how kids are. They don't pay attention to detail. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> she probably said, hey, dude, you know, they're going to pick us up. And he was like, mm, cheese pizza. It's you know, like we all do that, though. We're like, did I lock the door? Did I did I shut the garage door down? Did I do this or that? Did I leave the oven on? We all go through that little checklist yeah. and everything. And so everybody's guilty of leaving something behind or on. You can relate to that part. But yeah, not, not forgetting your person. <laughs> right. <laughs> I never left a person behind. Me either. <laughs> while, I'm in, while I'm in first class. Class, you know, put them on my lipstick and like missing something. Hmm. Is it my Versace watch? No. Oh, okay. What is it? What did I miss? A child, you know. Well, Kate also, however, thinks it's something else they forgot. Then after Peter asks what they possibly could have forgotten, Kate finally realizes what they have left behind. Meanwhile, Kevin slids down the stairs in his home and out on the front door. After realize the realization, Kate is comforted by the family who offers nothing that soothes her guilt conscience consciousness kate realizes what kind of terrible mother she is mm, I, I, i'm not gonna call her terrible i have it in my notes she's terrible <laughs> she's, 
<laughs> well, you got to blame the dad, too, because he's horrible. Because <laughs> he's like, okay. And then the uncle is like, you know, I forgot my Reese's. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> That's why your son be peeing in the bed. <laughs> That response told me everything I need to know about him being a dad. Right? It's like, nah, we we didn't forget anything. We're good. All 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 good to go to Paris. That's all I care about. I don't care if, about nothing else. If he forgot Fuller, it was, and this movie was about them, I guarantee you Frank would be like, he's fine. Let's just keep right. going. <laughs> exactly. I'm here for my free trip. I don't care about my, my free son. Trip. No, he's fine. He got rubber sheets. He's good. <laughs> he's got newspapers on, on the bed. He's He's good to go. Oh, that's exactly <laughs> his response. I put newspapers down. <laughs> I use a dog. <laughs> Poor Fuller. Right. <laughs> Let's talk about Kevin sledding down the banister with the sled. Yes, excellent. Funny though, where you actually have Kevin. He's while uh, the mother's panicking, he's over there taking the sled out, opens the door, slides out of the house with the sled, and goes off the stoop. I if I if it snowed, I would definitely be doing this. Did, did he close the door? No, he didn't. <laughs> did, he didn't did he go back in? Did he go back in? Close yeah, he went door. back in because remember, if you look when oh, okay. I'm, I'm thinking yeah. like he went to the store. No, no, no. Okay, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> he probably pissed his pants like Fuller did. But yeah, how many kids have done that? Oh, I'm gonna do just like Kevin did at Home Alone, slide down these steps, and then they broke their arm. I would like to know. I would like to know that though too, because especially yeah. in the '90s. Oh yeah, they did all those antics. He did like okay. Well, we're gonna get our helmet, our knee pads. No, they said he didn't have any. Why no, should I? No, yeah. exactly. You're right. It's going to be for them. They're going to go exactly how he would do it. Yeah, I'm just going to slide down these steps like he did. You know, I think it's, you know, I think I would have actually done the same thing, though. I would have, if it snowed, but it doesn't ever snow down here. So there's no purpose of me to have a sled. But I would definitely be trying to slide down the banister. Atlanta, uh, Atlanta doesn't get snow. It's get like flakes. That's all we get. And frozen, and like frozen water. That's it. Yeah. So once the family is in Paris, Kate calls the police in Chicago and Peter <laughs> has Peter booked the return flight and has Frank's wife, her sister-in-law, Leslie, call everyone in Kate's address book. Kate reaches the village police department on the phone <laughs> and requests them to send someone to check on Kevin and tell them that the family will be returning home. However, the department misunderstands her inquiry at first and finally sends an officer who knocks on the door, but Kevin is too afraid to answer the door. The officer judges that there is nobody home and the house is secure. So let's talk about this, okay? Yeah, you're let's a mother, talk about you're it. in a panic, <laughs> and they're like, "This is like a tech support line." Hey, we have a crazy one on line one. Yeah, yeah, and then she's going over and saying the same thing, and like, "What you want again?" <laughs> like they were so busy. That and, crazy ladies yeah. online one again. And yeah, yeah, ma'am, we'll send somebody out. No problem. And you can definitely tell this is the police department that doesn't like to do paperwork. Yeah. How long did it take her to say, I just want somebody to go check on my house because my boy is there alone? She had to say that multiple times. And then they were like, okay, fine. You want somebody to go over there and check to see if your boy is alone. Correct? Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the whole, I don't know if John Hughes is really 
realize it, but he he did not make Chicago look good. No, he didn't. <laughs> not in maybe, that moment. Maybe that was it. What he was trying to say, he made the police department in Chicago look like buffoons. <laughs> By the way, also to the police officer, the one that's on the phone, mm -hmm. that's actually somebody from Billy Madison. Really? Yeah, he was actually the one of the uh, father's um, friends or something like that, Carl. So he was actually the one who is talking to Kate first and then after that transfers the call over to the other cop. Eating a donut, by the way. Right, eating the donut. <laughs> There's a lot of eating in this film. But... It is a lot of eating. Mm, that's another thing. Right. But I like how the cop just goes over there, rings the doorbell, and Kevin quickly goes under the bed, doesn't even try to even see who's outside or anything like that either. Then again, I wouldn't either. I I'll be that. Do. I still do that. <laughs> even if it's DoorDash, I'm like, oh, just leave it and go away. <laughs> But yeah, and then he's just checking the doors and he goes, yep, yeah, everything looks good. I don't have to do paperwork now. I can go back doing what I normally do, which is nothing. Donuts. Yeah, donuts. Not even donuts in the parking lot. Just eating donuts. Donuts <laughs> and coffee. But uh, Kate and Peter attempt to book a return to flight back to Chicago, but find that everything is booked. He decides to stay at the airport to be uh, be on standby in case a seat opens up for the rest of the family. He goes to Rob's house. As the McAllisters watch a French dub of It's a Wonderful Life, Peter tries calling someone on the phone to assist in reaching Kevin while Frank brings out shrimp, ignoring his sister-in-law and Rob's wife, Georgette's call that the shrimp was going to be eaten later. Kevin's sister, Megan, expresses her worry about Kevin to Buzz, but he insists that their brother will be completely fine. And I like how he, this is how you know that these people have money. Yes. And he lists off everything that they have. We have smoke detectors, we have da-da-da-da-da, and we live in one of the neighborhoods that doesn't, ha nothing ever happens. And then, yes. of course, this is also where you have Marv and them uh, breaking into other people's houses. Exactly. Yes. It is a playground for criminals because like I said, it's safe suburbia. So you're like, uh, it's boring. Nothing happens here. We can leave our doors unlocked. We can open exactly. the windows. And then I also like how the Christmas lights are illuminating at night and showing the house that's the McAllister's and that's the house that they want. And I like how um, Marv is like, voice? Because <laughs> there's some fine stuff in there um there's some fine stuff in there mark just uh entertainment systems jewelry we're gonna make bank yeah now that you mentioning it um what they they must have had like a prize possession or something that their house is more desirable than any other house on the well block. number one it's a huge house all the other houses look small and stature especially that other house that they wind up breaking into it's not that big okay yeah so they're like okay we have this big house there's a lot more stuff to loot so they're Therefore, we can go on ahead and get uh save this house for last because this is going to be the one that we're going to wind up scoring big on. So the web ends. Marvin Harry, <laughs> later happening to be a special police officer, observes the neighborhood playing robberies around the security information Harry has gathered about each home. As Kevin takes a nap, how the Grinch stole Christmas plays on television, and yeah. Harry and Marv attempts to break in, but Kevin hears them and turns on a light, causing them to flee as he hides under his parents' bed again. So, he played that off really well. That is so scary for a kid. Like, it really yeah, is. You're home alone and then somebody's trying to break in? Oh my god. It really is scary for, for a kid if you think about it, though, because, yeah, yeah, you're used to those sounds. You're used to a doorbell. You're used to people knocking on the door, but you're also used to your parents answering those things so that way you don't have to and you feel safe. But now that he's by himself, all those noises is new to him because he's the one who has to go ahead and answer these things. 
seems now. And it's yeah. new to him. And it seems like there's nobody else in the neighborhood except the old man shoveling the snow. <laughs> and him. Everybody's gone on vacation. Even the family members that they tried calling. Everybody's on vacation except two people. <laughs> and then Frank freeloading off the shrimp I, too. He, he's just being himself. That's yep. all I have to say about Frank. He is being himself. He is not worried. He gonna have his vacation. He got his kids. Okay. So this is uh, this is actually one of my favorite iconic scene. After showering, Kevin uses his father's aftershave and singing blue, blue, blue Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! His, his father's grooming products, and, and just like that, I lost about fifteen thousand uh, audio listeners, uh, including his aftershave, causing Kevin to scream from the burning sensation of in pain. He then goes to Buzz's room and attempts to climb the shelf to reach his life savings, but causes all the, the shelvings to fall on top of him. While on his walk, Kevin notices the wet Bannon's fan in the Murphy driveway and no- notes that the thought that Murphy's family has had gone to Florida. As the burglars raid the Murphy home, they hear a message on their phone from Peter indicating that the McAllisters are not home. And I've told you my theory about... about Kevin like okay hear me out right so you know how he's in the mirror and he's just talking about all his products and he's putting it on his face who does that remind you of me no Patrick Bateman from American Psycho if <laughs> Patrick Bateman was like oh I put this on my face and they both had their hair back so Kevin grew up to be Patrick Bates because this trauma of being left has affected him to the point where he became a serial killer and he's like attacking all these women because he hates his mom. Boom, Jordan. (laughs) That's my theory. No. Now you can't get it out your head. You can't get it out your head. When you show the clip, you put those two clips together. I'm good. <laughs> ah, but you you know, though, it. it does remind me of myself, though, because I did that, those things where I was actually put on my dad's aftershave as a kid. And did. Blue Christmas is hands down one of my favorite uh, Christmas songs. Yeah. By the same yeah. singer. But yeah. So now you have this introduction with Harry and Marv where basically they're robbing the place. He goes, oh, so there's no one over there. Okay. Well, guess what? We're going to go on ahead and try to hit it up again and try to rob him. Uh, Marv winds up going on ahead and leaving the water on. He has this little snickering uh, laugh that, that's with him, though, too. And and Harry's just looking at him like, what the hell is so funny? He's like, I love you. He goes, wait, you did it again, didn't you? Yeah, we're the wet bandits. Everybody leaves their mark. No, no. no just that's how like, you get caught. Yeah, you just tell the cops, we hit this place, this place, this place, and this place. And think about the water bill. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking, too. Especially <laughs> when we get to the very end of it where you have the uh water um the water tank probably busted or something yeah oh but kevin goes to the drugstore to buy a toothbrush and asks if it was approved by the american (laughs) dentist association (laughs) as the store staff attempts to confirm old man marley enters with a friendly bandaged hand and places it on the counter causing a friend kevin to flee the store and unfortunately shoplifts the toothbrush a police officer pursues kevin but loses sight of of him at an ice skate ring after being tripped over by a skater with a hockey club. Kevin walks home dismayed by his criminal behavior. Wait, it's a little too fresh. Oh, I'm a criminal. I'm sorry. Oh, that's 79 cents. Oh, I'm a criminal. Right. <laughs> what are you in here for, kid? 79 cents? Yeah. And that's how I'm going to go became... to nine. I'm going to be going to life in prison. That's how he became Patrick, baby. You just want the light go. I'm just going to put that in. Any <laughs> point I can get it in. <laughs> 
But I'm I also like how he slides underneath these people in the skating rink to lose the police officer. Yeah. He just slides across. Man, how many kids did that to? I don't know. I, I busted my ass on a ice ice rink before. I'm not about to do, try to do that. I don't want to talk about that. I had a bad experience. <laughs> yeah, I had a terrible experience with terrible people. I don't know. <laughs> talk about the ice rink. Oh, by the way, uh, there's also that other scene where basically Kevin winds up paying for the groceries. Oh, too. yeah, that was sometime after, but yeah. 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 And then the, the um cashier was asking him all these questions and he's like, I don't talk to strangers. I don't. Right. I don't talk to strangers. Yeah. Just, and he puts, I like how he puts like the arm in on the, uh, on the uh, escalate on the little turning belt and he goes, for the kids. Yeah. You know, for the kids. For the kids. And he's reading a magazine too, which makes it look like more like an adult though too. Yeah. In a kid's mind. Yeah. So I just thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. He got like milk and eggs and all the other stuff. Right. Doing good. Wait, which, really good for 1900s. Must have left some money and didn't know that they left money at the house. But later that night, the burglars arrive outside the McAllister's home. But Kevin has constructed an elaborate silhouette display, make, making Marvin Harry think that there are people there. Kevin then orders a cheese pizza for himself and directs the pizza boy to the back door as he plays and pauses parts of an angels with a filthy soul, convincing that one of the characters in the film is speaking uh with him and eventually is shooting at him making the pizza boy flee from the property as he settles in for the night kevin watches johnny carson on television and begins to regret his wish but i like how he, you have rocking around the christmas tree playing you have uh the trains going around and you have jordan on the train and he's constructing yeah. all this yeah make it look like he's i, I really loved it I, I, that scene to me is iconic and it's just funny yeah he that kid should have been like an engineer or something well, you did know. say he turned into Patrick Bateman. I was trying not to, but since you brought it up, that <laughs> yes, this is what Patrick Bateman would have done as a kid. Uh, but I also like how uh, Marvin and them are like, well, can't rob the house now. Guess we're going to have to go somewhere else. They're home. <laughs> Look, they're having a party in there. <laughs> <laughs> they're having a party. I thought you said that yeah. this house was empty. The I guess they came home. <laughs> yeah, that's not weird at all. There's this one guy going around in the circle. <laughs> He's drunk. <laughs> That's yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it makes me wonder too, like like I was talking about earlier, if the parents left money, like did they have a, a stash they left and then No, because Kevin remember they used the used the stash from Buzz. Oh yeah, that's right. So right. he used everything out of Buzz's money that he had saved mm -hmm. to buy pizza, to buy groceries and stuff. So yeah. Oh wait, what Buzz get his money? He's selling weed or something? I don't know, but apparently he's not taking his girlfriend out, so, you know. Yeah, because he wants to know about the French babes, our new right. beaches. Ba right, the new beaches. <laughs> and also, to the pizza boy being freaked out over the shooting and everything. He winds <laughs> up getting his ass on out of there, especially after he winds up getting the guy, get, uh, basically Kevin gives him the money and he goes, cheap old man or something like that. He goes, cheap yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you yeah, the count of ten to get your no good yellow teal off my property. One, two, Two. Da -da 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 -da. 
Yeah. Oh my god. I so totally want to do that. But, <laughs> but the Johnny Carson yeah. thing to me is nostalgic because I used to watch Johnny Carson as a kid. Me too. Yeah. So it was good to just everything. see that. Yeah. But I I used to yeah, he used to come on. Used to watch him. In the morning time as Kevin readies himself for the day, he lip syncs to the drifters version of White Christmas and once again screams from his father's aftershave as Buzz's tarantula roams free after escaping as a result of Kevin accidentally breaking in sh- the shelving. Kevin goes to the grocery store wh- where he encounters the cashier as he walks home. Grocery bag breaks, so Harry and Marv to check the house. Kevin notices Marv's presence turns on angels with filthy souls. So my question is this, okay? As kids, we find this funny, right? Yes. But as you get older, did you feel like it was a little bit repetitive with it? Or did you find yourself laughing at again because of, they're using the same bit again? Oh, yeah. I was laughing. Me I too. was like, I can't believe people are falling for this. But this time he does it. He amps it up to a 10 on this one, though. I would, too. Uh, you're this right. I love how he does it. In house, and then he go back in the van. He's like, oh, they got some guy in there. Some guy called Snakes. He just it's- got blown away. <laughs> What? Snakes, snakes, snakes. I don't snakes. know those no snakes. Know, I don't know those no snakes. <laughs> <laughs> but he also has now. This is what I like. What he does though, too. He goes down a gunfight with firecrackers and a pot. Uh, and he, and of course, this also scares Marv away. And Marv then reports about, but like we said, cutting down the tree. And he, okay, so this also reminds me of a Charlie Brown thing where uh, Kevin cuts down the tree and realizes that he has been deceiving them and so this is where marvin them catches on to kevin as kevin decorates the tree and sees harry's reflection in the ornament he begins calling for his father he opens a window and overhears marvin harry playing the, their break into the McAllister's home at nine o'clock making kevin want his family back the cutting down the christmas tree thing reminds me of charlie brown's christmas yeah that's true the way it's done oh uh, you know i love what you what you mentioned though about the snakes about snakes he goes snakes i don't know no snakes i don't know <laughs> so Kate eventually reaches Grant uh, Sacram- uh, Grant Scranton, but all flights in, of Chicago are un- unavailable because of an influx of travelers. This <clears throat> desperate return home, she is overheard by Gus Polinski, the Polka King of the Midwest. Polka, polka, you know, polka, 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 polka. There's also <laughs> Twisted Polka. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Candy. That was right. Yeah, one of his last appearances too for a John Hughes movie. Yeah, because him and Macaulay Culkin also did uh, Uncle Buck together in the eighties yeah. as well. Yes. Oh, and it was also a John movie. Hughes movie. Oh, such a I love that movie. But he, the Ken, uh, Kenosha Kickers, who are driving to Milwaukee <laughs> after their flight was canceled, he offers to allow her a ride with them in a budget van, dropping her off in Chicago along the way. Kate accepts the offer and rides with a polka band. As the band rehearses, deck the halls in the van, Gus offers to let her play his clarinet, which she refuses. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, if I had to get back to my son, I would put up with polka. Polka, polka. Me too. Polka. Yeah. And then, uh, it's, and you know what, though? This guy's a total stranger, too, to give her a ride when nobody else was going to give up their plane ticket, especially with that older couple, too, because I am desperate. I'm a mother. What would you do if you were me? And she was offering 
different earrings, a watch, everything to this one older couple. And the old woman was about to do it. And then the old man stopped her and they went on their airplane. So it wasn't for John Candy. She went and made it. Yeah, that was that was the good old days when you could do all that stuff. Now you have to be 10 times more suspicious. Yes, you do. So friendship. So now we're getting into uh, friendship with Marley and setting the traps. Santa Claus impersonator and requesting he asked for the real Santa to bring his family back instead of his parents. Kevin goes to the church where he sees a local children's choir perform and uh, encounters old man Marley, coming to discover that he is actually a very friendly and kind man and that none of the rumors about him are true. Kevin learns that the real reason the rumors are sp- were spread, Marley has been estranged from his son for quite a, quite some time, thus spreading him, uh, separating him from his granddaughter who is singing with the choir. Kevin urges Marley to make amends with his son for Christmas and Marley agrees. And I thought this was a very sweet moment of just getting to know the neighbor and realizing, and I like how he said, look, there's a lot of rumors about me, kid, but none of them are true. And it's like, you know, forget about what everybody is saying about me, but you, this is the who I am. This is the real me. And I like that whole entire thing. And then there's a life lesson learned between Kevin and him. That moment from a kid, from a little small kid, talking to this adult and saying, hey, look, it's not too late to make up with your kid or anything. Give him a call. I'm sure he wants to hear from you. And yeah. that scene, the music being played always makes me want to cry. Yeah, I'm glad they put that scene in there. It's like a, a chance to kind of <laughs> catch your breath and slow down just um, a little bit just the the overall film to me it has a good balance because there's like chaos but then there's like calmness calm before the storm and yeah and then there's danger lurking around at all corners you know right. but then there's safe so i i like the balanced elements that john hughes put into the film me too he always has a way of balancing the kids with the adults though too he, Yes, he makes the adults look like buffoons, and (laughs) the kids are really... the heroes of the story. But th- what do you think about the other, the Santa Claus, you know? What you think <laughs> the about? one with the broke down car? <laughs> the Honda? Yeah. Oh, man. That's like every average mall Santa. Yep. But he wasn't even in a mall. He was like in a little Santa village. Um, yeah. He was going to, he was going to a, a party, I think, and his car was broke down. And he was smoking his cigarette. He reminded me of Bad Santa. You know, Bad it does, Santa. It does. Yeah. Like, we're not cussing, but, you know, halfway there. <laughs> Doing Joe Pesci type of cuss because his car won't work and he gotta get across town. But he flicked his cigarette. He's like, "Oh, kid, yeah, kid, what's going on? I'm, yeah, I know you're not the real Santa. What are you talking about? What you talking about? <laughs> I'm the real I Santa. Here, have these. What's this? Come on, you have to have something. Uh, I have to give you something. It's like Tic Tacs. He goes, "Oh yeah, Tic Tacs. Yeah." <laughs> So after this whole entire thing with Marley, I like how Marley goes, well, you might want to go on ahead and go home and be safe. So as Carol, the bells are going on, uh, the church tower strikes eight. His own spirits uh, lifted by encouraging Marley. Kevin returns home, prepares a series of booby traps, and then the house before 9 p.m. First, he rolls up the doormat, the staircase, placing micro machine cars, trucks, and airplanes on the floor. He continues on by dozing the front steps uh, as well as the outside basement and outside with water, which instantly 
instantly is uh, instantly freezes after hooking and hooking a glowing hot barbecue starter on the under the doorknob <laughs> at the front door. Kevin coats the inside basement stairs with car, leaving the last few steps untouched. Ooh, his the way his mind works. How how does one think of all these contraptions? I don't know, especially in an hour of yeah. all this stuff that's about to happen. It's like, yeah, I met up with this nice old man named Marley, and Marley told me to be careful, so I'm gonna go on ahead. I'm gonna have myself some mac and cheese. I'm gonna, but first, I need to go on ahead and set up all these traps first before I can eat. Which is how he turned into Patrick Bates. Or Jigsaw <laughs> from Saw. Yeah, yeah he could have been Jigsaw too. Yeah. Right. I like to inflict <laughs> pain. Oh, if they slip on these cars, then they'll have pain. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, let me do some more of that. Uh, so, outside the basement, uh, stairs outside the water, which is instantly freezes after hooking a glowing hot barbecue starter on the doorknob of the front door, Kevin coats the inside basement basement stairs with tar, leaving the last few steps untouched, like I mentioned. Placing a piece of sandpaper with a long nail into an upward shingle on one of them. Next, he creates an escape route by connecting to a rope from the attic window to a treehouse in the kitchen. He squirts chuckling glue onto the sheet of plastic wrap, then piles a cart high with pillow feathers and electric and electric fan. Oh then God. he places glass Christmas ornaments down on the, on the floor next to the window. Finally, he grabs two paint cans with ropes tied to them after preparing an iron blowtorch. Okay, when you think about this as an adult, you're like, this is some sick shit. This is some psychotic stuff going on this kid got going on. <laughs> and I don't know how these men, they could have died. <laughs> <laughs> what if they? What if one of them died? It's self defense. It's self defense and trespassing. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, homicide. <laughs> but at that moment, though, I could see the police department go. You know, you messed with the wrong house. Yeah, yeah, you did, buddy. Yeah, that's paperwork for us. Or more. You know, he would be a legend in Chicago. <laughs> Can you yes. just imagine? Yes, the legend of Kevin Patrick Callister. <laughs> Jigsaw. 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 Yeah. Saw 10. But yeah, my, I guess my favorite trap, or one of my favorites was um when I forgot, what was Daniel Stern's character? Marv. Marv. Yeah. Marv. Yeah. Marv was coming into the, I don't know why, he was coming into the window and then he stepped on the glass ornament, which is sick for me to say that's my favorite, right? Because he's getting, his foot is cut. <laughs> I thought you were Tell me your other favorite part was, of course, where he steps on the uh, brew. On, on no, the that, that one was that one was like cringe word. My other favorite is the paint can that bops him in the face and then he falls down on the ground floor, whatever. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, do you this is off topic, but um, it's like from anger management. Do you remember Jack Nicholson's face? Oh, yeah, like, yes, when you were yes. doing that, I was like, yes, yes. my yeah, other favorite like is always. Marv slash Daniel Stern screaming, especially when oh, the yeah. spider was on him, and I was like, "Whoa, that man got decibels!" <laughs> yeah, the transfer on him. Then you also have him falling down where the basement is. Yeah. You also have uh, the paint cans uh, hitting their faces. Yeah, then he get electrocuted in this one, or was it Home Alone Two? Home Alone Two is where he gets electrocuted. Oh, okay, got it. Yep, which we'll be doing Saturday. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is more sick traps. <laughs> 
<laughs> that we'd love. Uh, but yeah, um, so then, you you know, like we said, we all these traps are going on. Kevin also torments Harry, who then t- walks into a glue-covered plastic wrap and has the feathers blown on him by a fan. We mentioned that. A barefoot Marv enters through a window, stepping on the glass of ornaments and with angry, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill that kid. The burglars join back up again and slip on the on micro machines, and then they try chasing Kevin up the stairs, but are struck to the paint cans, on, one of which knocks out of uh, Harry's gold tooth. Kevin calls the police reporting a burglary in the Murphy Murphy home. The burglars chase him while Harry trips over a wire, knocking him unconscious, and Marv manages to grab Kevin's leg on the attic steps. Kevin grabs Buzz's tarantula axle and puts it on Marv's face, allowing him to escape. Marv, Marv screams and throws the tarantula on an unconscious Harry's belly as Kevin ziplines to the treehouse using bike candles. Marv trying to hit the tarantula accidentally hits Harry in the chest with his crowbar. crowbar. After, after Harry hits Marv three times with the crowbar, the bandits pursue Kevin again as he reaches the treehouse. They try climbing out of the treehouse, but this is foiled by Kevin, cutting the rope with a pair of hedge clippers, causing them to causing to be swung into the side of the house. They're tenacious, because I'm sure most persistent would have just been like, well, forget this. I don't... <laughs> After the first trial, they're like, it's okay. We're just going to rob somebody else. <laughs> but notice they didn't have guns. If they had guns, this, would have been, this story would have been over with. But right. these are burglars without guns. I think everything in this film works. I mean, from yes. all the traps working out the way they do. And I also like how he, go, how he looks at Harry and goes, why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? Why do you have your <laughs> shoes off? <laughs> <laughs> this was like hands down kid. one of my favorite scenes when you, you it reminds me of a Scooby Doo. It, you know what it reminds of, me of it reminds me of a Scooby Doo cartoon. All <laughs> of it was Scooby Doo. I I think too Chris Columbus was saying they wanted like a Looney Tunes feel. And they definitely think, pulled it off. Those stunts open the door to what other stuntmen are doing today. Some kind of way, those stunts were groundbreaking at the time. And then these are the stunts we're seeing now in movies. Exactly. But yeah, then he winds up... Uh, what did you think of the other part where he winds up ziplining himself down to the house and then he cuts the cord and then they bang into the side of the house? I am just surprised they caught up with him. Right, we're going to get to that in a minute. Oh, um, but yeah, he called the police late. He's like, first, I want to torture them and then I want to see them tortured. <laughs> and then I called the police with my Patrick right. Bateman cell. So after all that happens, uh, Kevin winds up going next door. He winds up going through the basement with where, of course, uh, with the with the stick with the wet bandits, uh, <laughs> leaving the water on, <laughs> he goes through the water, and then Marv and Harry meets up with him in the next door neighbors. They put him on the on the hook on the hanging hook with the uh, jackets go, and then they talk about wanting to cut off his fingers and his thumbs, and then that's when you have Marley come in there and slap him upside the head with the shovel, and then Marley takes him off the hook and he goes brings him back, uh, goes back, takes him back over to his house. Yeah, he's like he's like I'm gonna bite your fingers off one by. One, I was like, "Oh, geez, that's terrifying." That's about ter- <laughs> one of the most terrifying scenes in the fingers on the boy up, and then they're like about to chop his, eat his fingers off. I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> that was gruesome." What kind of film <laughs> has this become? <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be a family film, and here we are. Yeah, I mean, I can tolerate the torture, but biting somebody's <laughs> finger. <laughs> <laughs> now you want to torture a kid. It's okay for us yeah. to torture yeah. Mar- Marvin Harry, but not the yeah, kid. Uh, no, 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 no. That's off limits. <laughs> 
Right. So shortly after Kevin returned home safely, like I mentioned, Harry and Marv are arrested. Additionally, the police have now become aware of every house that the wet bandits have targeted because of Marv's habit of leaving the household's water running as uh, as a calling card. Marv tells the police about their crimes, which caused Harry to kick them twice as they got in the police car. Get in the car, Marv. Shut up, Marv. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin sarcastically waves at Harry, who, who hopes that he and Marv will return one day for revenge. Oh my god, I have that in my notes. I have that part in my notes to make I hope for <laughs> revenge. Bye, guys. <laughs> After Kevin cleans the remains of the traps, and then uh, places some cookies and milk on the table for Santa, as well as carrots for the reindeer, having set up Christmas all by himself, Kate speaks with Gus, guilty of leaving Kevin behind and thinking that she is a bad parent. Gus insists that she is not a bad parent compared to any of his bandmates. He uh, tells a story of living <laughs> one one of his children at funeral. Almost forgot that part. <laughs> <laughs> John Candy could pull that line off, though. Okay, go ahead. Tell, tell what happened. No, no, no. You do it. <laughs> Wasn't this the one where he said he left his kid in a funeral home for like yeah. three hours? <laughs> for three hours, and he was surprised that the kid was still there. Hey, he didn't talk for him like. I don't know. It's what, like three days or something. Three I don't days. Know. Something like that. I don't have that part of my notes on how long he was there. I should have put that in there. It's, uh, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> that kid ain't going to be right. <laughs> no. And then he even talked about one of his other bandmates from, uh, who hasn't seen his kid and lives in Milwaukee. But yeah, and then Christmas Day, reclination, Kevin wakes up the next morning, calls for his mother, but is disappointed to find that he is still alone. Kate then arrives with two uh, uh, to reconcile before Peter and Kevin's siblings arrive. Having caught the flight that Kate did not want to wait for, while Kevin's uncle, aunt, and cousins are still in Paris, Buzz becomes glad that Kevin didn't burn the house down. When Kate asks Peter to find an open store to buy some milk, Kevin reveals to them that he had gotten groceries for Christmas, milk, eggs, and fabric softener, but more or less just hung around while his family was away. Kevin does not disclose his encounter with Harry and Marv, but Peter finds Harry's gold tooth on the floor and wonders what it is. Kevin goes over to the window and smiles upon discovering that Marley took his advice and watches as he and his son reunite and re reconcile while hugging his granddaughter and daughter-in-law. Marley looks up and sees Kevin smiling and waves to him as a sign of thanking him. And Kevin waves back. Buzz interrupts Kevin's um, musings by calling, Kevin, what did you do to my room? Causing Kevin to run off. So there's all that in a nutshell. I really have to say I still enjoyed this movie. This movie still holds up even today for especially being the 90s. I love this movie. Yes. And Macaulay Culkin still looks the same because he just got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yes, he does. Yes. And he has kids. Yes, sadistic little kids like him. <laughs> they can leave traps in their house. For so my other thing, though, too, to me, is like, what did you think of the um of the mother coming home and then the music playing that uh, every single time I just lose it. I want to cry every single time. Yeah, it's a mood. It's a mood, as the kids say, I think. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, it, it, you know, you well up with all these emotions. He's like, oh, they're reunited at last. Yay. My question is, did they ever find out about the wet bandits? 
which I don't think they did. I really don't think they did. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think they ever did, but I'm actually surprised the police. Well, then again, there's no paperwork because the police don't want to do their job. But (laughs) where's John? You secretly put in the film. (laughs) Yeah. All in all, though, I definitely enjoyed rewatching this again or revisiting it. I definitely enjoy this film. It's now streaming on Disney Plus. And if anybody wants to go ahead and check that out, Tamika and I will be back on Saturday reviewing Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. And that's the only two films in the Home Alone franchise. We're going to talk about it. There is no others. No. My Godfather. <laughs> There's only one and two. Exactly. Yes. But thank you again, Tamika, for joining me for this. It was fun to review this film. Yeah, I was. I like it. Always until next time, guys. Have a great and safe night. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. Unlock a new era in podcasting with Unfiltered Studios. Ready to break free from the ordinary? Dive into a world where authenticity meets innovation. Our network isn't just about podcasts. It's a revolution. From nostalgia to movies, sports to self-improvement, find your favorite podcast in an array of diverse shows. Only at Unfiltered Studios. Join the movement. Subscribe to Unfiltered Studios today and join the podcasting revolution. Unfiltered Studios, where every voice finds its place. Visit unfpod.com today to find your favorite show. Unfiltered Studios will help you press record.